Welcome to the History of Christianity podcast with Stephen Bedard. Please visit me at historyofchristianitypodcast.com. One of the most serious threats to what would become Orthodox Christianity is that of Arianism. We will look at Arianism and its origins in a moment, but for right now, what you need to know is that it was a controversy over the relationship between God the Son, that is, Jesus Christ, and God the Father. Before going into what Arius and his followers believed about Jesus, it's important to realize that this is taking place in the context of ongoing Christological controversies. Most of what we today call early heresies were often deviations from Trinitarian theology, even if they emerged before a fully formed Trinitarian theology developed. Here are a few of the early groups that had different views of Jesus' relationship to God. There are other groups that will pop up later, but for now these are the ones that existed by the beginning of the 4th century. One of the earliest were the Docetists. The name comes from the Greek for seem, meaning that Jesus only seemed to have a human body. This was embraced by the Gnostics who saw physicality as being evil, and spirit as being good, thus requiring Jesus to be fully spirit and only seeming to have a physical body. Another was adoptionism, which arose in the late 2nd century. This group taught that Jesus was a regular human, completely opposite to the teaching of the Gnostics, and that God adopted him as his son. The sect known as the Ibionites were a Jewish group that believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but held to an adoptionist Christology. Modalism appeared in the 3rd century, and it accepted the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but saw them as modes of one God. In contrast to the Trinity, which teaches that God can be all three at the same time, modalism teaches that at one point God is the Father, and then changes modes to become the Son, and then changes modes again to be the Holy Spirit. Many more variations on the Trinity and on Jesus are yet to come, but for now, let us turn to Arius. Arius was born around 250 AD, possibly in North Africa. He became a presbyter in the church and had a good reputation as a teacher and an aesthetic. Arius was interested in Neoplatonic philosophy and contemplated God as the greatest good. In his reflections on the nature of God, he wrestled with the relationship of Jesus to the Father. He reasoned that if Jesus was begotten, then he was a created being and thus not co-eternal with the Father. The First Council of Nicaea in 325 AD was called to deal with the Arian controversy. We'll have an episode just looking at Nicaea. There's a later legend that Nicholas, as in Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, punched Arius at the council, but that's not likely historical. It should be noted that Arius was not alone in his beliefs and that he had many supporters in the church, even if the position was rejected at Nicaea. Arius was exiled, but was later recalled and was working towards reconciliation. Unfortunately, he died before that happened, somewhere close to 336 AD in Constantinople. That takes us a little past where we are in the story, so let's circle back to Arianism 
and in doing so, we'll go back before Arius. Some see the origins of Arianism going back to Paul of Samosata, who lived 200 to 275 AD. Paul was a bishop of Antioch who was deposed by a council for his theological views. One of his statements was this, quote, Having been anointed by the Holy Spirit, he received the title of the anointed, suffering in accordance with his nature, working wonders in accordance with grace. For in fixity and resoluteness of character, he likened himself to God, and having kept himself free from sin, was united with God, and was empowered to grasp, as it were, the power and authority of wonders. By these he was shown to possess over and above the will, one and the same activity with God, and won the title of Redeemer and Savior of our race. End quote. This is a form of adoptionism, believing that at Jesus' baptism he was adopted by God, having been born a normal human being. This adoption allowed Jesus to perform seemingly divine actions. Now, Paul was not teaching exactly the same thing as Arianism, but like the Arians, he saw God and Jesus as being separate in nature. One of Paul's students was Lucian of Antioch, who lived 240 to 312 AD. We actually don't know much about Lucian's theology, but there's an intriguing phrase used by Arius in a letter to Eusebius of Nicomedia, who had similar views of Jesus. He refers to Eusebius as Sulocunietus, which means fellow Lucianist, suggesting a possible connection of Arian views to Lucian. However, this connection is contested by scholars. What we do know is that Arian was a follower of Lucian, and that, while not a traditional adoptionist, he agreed that the Father and the Son were not of the same substance. While earlier adoptionists saw Jesus as a human who was adopted and empowered at his baptism, Arius held to a middle position between the Ebionites and the Trinitarians. Jesus was indeed a powerful and divine figure who pre-existed long before his incarnation in the womb of Mary. Taking the description from Scripture literally when it says that the Son was begotten of the Father, Arius saw the pre-incarnation Jesus as the first created being, one that through him all others were created, but still a created being. This is very similar to the Christology of Jehovah's Witnesses, who believe that Jesus is not equal to God, but is the first created being, one that they identify with the Archangel Michael. By the way, I've written a book on the Jehovah's Witnesses called The Watchtower and the Word. If you're interested, I'll leave a link in the show notes. To be honest, you can understand why many Christians in the 4th century found Arian Christology quite attractive. Trinitarian theology says that Jesus is God, but is also the Son of God, that he's begotten of the Father, but is also co-eternal with the Father. In case you're wondering, I am a Trinitarian Christian. I'm only saying that I can understand the appeal of this type of Christology. And appealing it was. Although Arius was not a bishop, a council of bishops was called to respond to his teachings. Arian beliefs had spread across the empire, and many influential church leaders had embraced it. 
We'll see how that all worked out in our next episode on the Council of Nicaea. But before we get to that, I will say that Arianism was popular long after Nicaea. The so-called barbarian tribes of the Goths and the Vandals had embraced an Arian form of Christianity and kept it going until the 7th century. And as I already mentioned, a version of Arianism continues today among Jehovah's Witnesses. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit me at historyofchristianitypodcast.com and track me down on Facebook and Twitter. You can support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash hopesreason. Even $2 a month, less than a cup of coffee, can make a difference. Thanks for your ongoing support. Thank you, and God bless.